These hands, I remember the first time they held a drink. It was all about having fun with my friends. What I don't remember is, when did it stop being fun? When did my life become consumed with the drink? I know I used to live for more than my next drink. And friends? I don't even know who my friends are anymore. My family. They gave up on me a long time ago. Not that I can blame them, but it still hurts so much. How can I stop these hands? These hands, they did something so bad. We had a history test on Friday, and I studied. I really, really did. It's just, whenever I got it, I forgot, and I didn't know what to do. And Jacob, he was sitting right there. He's so smart. He gets A's without even trying, and it's not fair. So I just looked over and copied what he had. What if I get caught? These hands are going to get me in so much trouble. Three o'clock, Friday afternoon. Merchants hawk their wares. Children play in dirty streets. Neighbors gossip over stone walls. At three o'clock on Friday afternoon, while the world was doing something else, the son felt so far from the father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And at three o'clock on this Friday afternoon, the ones who noticed and the ones who cared were there watching it all unfold. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last, his last, and the ones who noticed stood at a distance, clucking their tongues. He saved others, but he can't even save himself. And the ones who cared stood near, inconsolable. We had hoped, but they couldn't even finish the sentence. So they set their faces and planned a funeral before the sun went down. These hands have led me to places I never should have gone. They've looked at magazines that I never should have looked at. Started back in high school, but can't seem to keep these hands from typing in those uh, same old web addresses. I, I don't want anybody to know because, I mean, really, I'm a good person, except for this one thing. Again, I don't want anybody to know, but... How do I erase all this from my mind? How do I restrain these hands? These hands have written things I never thought I could write. So mean. I didn't even know I could say such things. First, it was email, then texting, but now I'm even posting this stuff. Lies, slander. It's like I don't think people are actually reading it. I've hurt so many people. I've lost so many friends. People just think of me as a gossip now. Can I fix my reputation with these hands? 
These hands have worked so hard. Work. You know, I leave the house earlier and earlier every day and end up staying later and later. In the back of my mind, I knew I should spend time with my family. My wife would call and remind me of that fact. and I'd just make up some excuse about staying later. You know, eventually, I'd ignore her calls altogether. I just felt like if I could work a little bit harder, life would be a little easier. I just felt like if we had enough, everything would be okay. It's never okay. It's never enough. It's no wonder she left. These hands. If I could just find the edit undo button of my life, will I ever be able to fix things with these hands? Gray, after the funeral and before our lives go on, before the awful realization settles like dust on our shoulders, that we will forget his face, his smile, the way he made us laugh, his puzzling words, this king disguised, gray, all cried out, no energy left, even to mourn, but none either for moving on with life, now however small. So the women decided to do something, anything to keep from sitting in that dark house. Early in the space between darkness and day, they bring spices, the women, to the graveyard. Spices, tokens of devotion, some small gauntlet thrown down toward the stench of death. These hands, I just get so mad I just want to punch someone or at least something. One minute I'm perfectly fine, then the next I'm out of control. It's like anything can set me off. My dad tells me something I don't want to do. Someone bumps me at school. My brother borrows my things. Is something wrong with me? I just can't control these hands. These hands used to showcase my most treasured possession. I can still remember my husband sliding it on my finger. I remember feeling so safe and so loved. But as the years went by, I would look in the mirror and wonder, why me? Or I would watch movies or hear other women tell stories and think, why can't I be loved like that? Why can't my husband be more like theirs? And I would tell myself, well, I can find happiness somewhere else. But I was wrong. And I kept thinking, maybe I just married the wrong guy, or maybe I never even loved him in the first place. I was so confused. But one thing I know is that I will always regret the day I turned the knob on the front door for the last time and walked out so empty, my heart, these hands. But there, by the grave, lit by morning's first rays, or by what, some great thought of God? There, either lit or themselves in light, stand two messengers, 
out of the gray. Their message, graveyards are for dead men, and he is not dead. You will find them, him elsewhere very, very much alive. And all return to them then, his face, his laugh, his voice. He himself alive, this king disguised no more, Jesus. These hands, these hands were nailed to a cross for you. For your every sin, these hands bled. For every wrong word, every wrong thought, every wrong action. These hands offer healing. These hands offer forgiveness. These hands offer victory over every wrong thing that enslaves you. In these hands, you can have life, freedom, and close relationship with the God who created you. You see, I took up your infirmities and carried your sorrows. I was stricken, smitten, and afflicted. I was pierced for your transgressions. I was crushed for your iniquities. The punishment that can bring you peace was upon me, and by my wounds you are healed. You all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of you has turned his own way. And my Father has laid on me the iniquity of you all. I was assigned a grave with the wicked, though I had done no violence, nor had any deceit in my mouth. Yet it was my Father's will to crush me and cause me to suffer and make my life a guilt offering. But the will of the Lord will prosper in my hand. I, the righteous servant, Justify many and bore your iniquities. I have poured out my life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. I bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Call on me. Follow me. Take my hand. Good morning. My name is Brian Legg. I'm one of our pastors on our lead pastor team here at TBA. So glad that you could be here to worship with us today. I love the picture that's been painted. This picture of the actions of our hands. I listen to those stories and, and I think about Jesus' hands and what they've meant. And it causes me to reflect a little and think about my own hands. These hands have built things. These hands have loved people. They've cared for others. They've served. But these hands have also done things I'm not proud of. These hands have done things that cause me to be ashamed. These hands have done things that have caused pain and destruction in relationships, in others, in me. And you see, our stories really aren't that different. Because you and I, we're the same. We could all stand here and say the same thing. We could get up and we could tell the stories about how our hands have done great things. We could tell the stories about the way we've used them to do good. 
But we could just as easily tell the stories about the things our hands have done that we're not so proud of. And the way they've caused pain and destruction all around us. In our own lives, in our families, in others that we come in contact with. I think that's why Paul reminds us in Romans of how we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. God, perfection. Us, not so much. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. He says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. You know, I think we get caught up looking at that the wrong way a lot of times. We're rule followers. We're people who have structure. We have government. We have all these things around us that that give us structure, that give us some standard to live up to. And we spend all of our time and our energy and our effort trying to live up to the standard. And it's no different in our walk with God. He's given us the standard, His law, and we constantly are trying to be good enough to live up to it, to achieve the law. But look at how Paul says it here. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. You see, none of us can ever achieve the law. None of us can ever be good enough to live up to the law. He didn't put it there for us to live up to. He put it there so that we could see that picture of perfection and realize how desperately we need a Savior. So that we could realize how imperfect we truly are and how desperately we need Him. Look at how he continues. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God freely and graciously declares that we are his. We are righteous. We did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You see, none of us can achieve that standard. None of us have the power to be good enough. None of us have that ability within us. It is only Christ within us that allows us to stand before God made right. Thank God for the crucifixion where Jesus willingly allowed his hands to be pierced for you and I. And he bled and he died on that cross so that we could have right standing with God. But see, the story doesn't end there because the crucifixion is amazing in and of itself. But Jesus didn't stay on that cross and he didn't stay in the tomb when they laid him there later that night. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He overcame death. And it is that same resurrection power where Christ overcame death that he offers to us in our life. Power over sin. Power over struggle. Power over addiction. Power over those things that haunt us about our hands. That's why we come together to celebrate this morning. Because Jesus overcame the grave. He gave his life willingly for you and I. And he offers us new life, just as he experienced new life when he raised from the dead. 
Now that's a picture of hope. That's a picture that I can live for. Think about Jesus' hands. When he was here on earth, how he loved and he served. And in action, he showed us what that should look like. Think about his hands as the nails were driven through them, nailed to the cross, for him choosing to die for you and me. And his hands now still bear the scars of those nails, still show the holes where that nail was driven through it. Even in newness of life, he bears those scars as reminders for us. And after all that we've put him through, he is still reaching out to you and I in love. Look at this picture. And I know you probably can't see all the details because it's not that big of a picture. But look at the hands of Jesus holding this guy up. And if you look closely at the hand, you can see that scar on the back of his hand where that nail was driven through. Here's Jesus who was pierced for my transgressions, reaching out to hold me up. And it's the same for you. And notice the guy is holding. In his right hand, he holds a big hammer. And in his left, a huge spike, a nail. You see, there's a harsh reality to the crucifixion that we sometimes don't stop and think about. But you and me, we put Christ on that cross. It was our sin. It was our hands, the things that we've done. He was the perfect, spotless lamb, the only man to ever walk the earth who did not sin. But he chose to give his life for you and me because of our sin so that we could go free. He took our punishment, what we deserved, to give us new life. As you came in this morning, you were given a a small index card, a note card. I'd like you to take that out now. It's just a plain, small, white piece of paper, white card. I'd like for you to take a few moments just to reflect. You've heard stories about others sharing the things that they've done with their hands. You've heard stories about Jesus' hands. You've heard why he went to the cross for you. I want you to think about how is Jesus reaching into your life? What is the impact in your life of the fact that he died on the cross for you and that he overcame death and offered new life? For some of you sitting here this morning, maybe you've never come to that point where you've even thought about that much less surrendered your heart and said, Jesus, I want to follow after you. He's offering new life to you. He's offering power over sin, over struggle, over the things that cause death in your heart. If this is your first time this morning coming to him and asking for forgiveness of your sin or asking him to come into your heart, I want you just to write that on your card. You can write it in whatever words you want. Put it in your own words. But I would ask you to be so bold also as to put your name in some way that we can contact you, either an email address or a phone number. I promise we're not going to bug you. We're not going to show up at your house. We're not going to send you 100 emails or put you on some telemarketing list or anything like that. We just want to give you some resources to help you start a new journey. We want to follow up with you to let you know that we care and we're praying for you and give you a way to contact us if you have questions along the way. For some of you sitting here this morning, 
You made that decision before, maybe a long time ago. But you're like me. And sometimes life gets in the way and selfishness gets in the way and our own thoughts get in the way and we still struggle. And there's things that come between us and God and, and keep us from having that intimacy that we want in that relationship. And so I would ask you this morning just to write whatever that struggle is on that card. If you want to put your name and contact information as well, that'd be great. It'll allow us to follow up with you, but I'll commit this to you. Our pastor team and our prayer teams will be praying for you specifically by what you put on your card. In just a few moments, I'm going to give you instructions as to what to do with that. But I'm going to ask you now as the band plays, just to take a few moments to reflect and to write what God's laying on your heart on that card to share with us. And then you can hold that card and just participate in worship. Let me pray, and then the band's going to play for us. God, I just thank you for your loving sacrifice, how you gave yourself for us. You, the perfect spotless lamb, who never sinned, yet you took my punishment. You took our punishment. When it was me who should have been on that cross and should have died, you chose to die in my place so that I could go free and experience new life. Thank you, God. I pray now that you would just speak to our hearts and help us to be open. I pray that you would work within our lives. God, whatever it is that, that may be heavy on our hearts, whether we've never made that commitment to experience new life with you, maybe we don't even know what that looks like. I pray that you would give courage to start that new journey. God, for the struggles that we may be facing, I pray that you would help us simply to, to write those things down and begin a new journey of letting go of that and trusting in your resurrection power in our lives. God, we offer this up to you. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated for just another moment. This morning we're going to respond by taking communion. And really this is, it's a time of celebration. And you know, a lot of times I don't think we think of communion as a celebration. Because we think about communion and, and we remember that we're going to take the bread and we're going to dip it in the juice and it's symbolic of Christ's body that was broken for us. And it's symbolic of his blood that was poured out for us. And we're reminded of those things. But communion is a celebration because it's not just a picture of that. Communion is also a picture of how Christ overcame death and what that means for us. It's a reminder of the hope that we now live with because he went to the cross and because he died for us and because he overcame it. I love the way it says it in Revelation. Chapter 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega 
the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God. And they will be my children. It's the picture of hope. Eternity with God. A time when our struggles from this life will end. No more sickness. No pain. No sorrow. No disease. No broken relationships. Everything made perfect. We have that hope because Christ overcame death and he offers new life to you and to me. We celebrate the resurrection this morning and I love how Luke put it in his gospel. Luke 24. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Why is it that we look for the living among the dead? Why is it that Christ offers new life to us and we continue to live as if we're dead? I love how Paul puts it in Ephesians when he says that we need to take off the grave clothes. We need to take off our old self and put on the new self that God has given us. And live as the new creation that we are because of what he has done in our lives. If you were here last week, we talked about the story of Lazarus and how Jesus raised him from the dead and he called him out of the tomb. He shouts out to him, Lazarus, come forth. And as Lazarus walks out of the tomb, after he's been dead four days and he stinks, he walks out and he's still bound in grave clothes. His wrists, his ankles are bound and he has a cloth over his face and he's wrapped up. And Jesus says, no, that's not what I mean. Take those grave clothes off and set him free. See, that's what he's saying in our lives. I want you to be free. I want you to experience new life, experience that kind of hope to see life perfected. Jesus overcame death so that you and I could experience life. And when we celebrate communion, that's what we're celebrating this morning. Yes, it was his body broken and his blood shed. But that was only part of the story. Three days later, he raised from the dead. He overcame death for you and I. These guys who have come out this morning to serve you communion are part of our prayer team here at TBA. And I don't tell you who they are to, to highlight them or to, to make light of it, but I want you to know one of the ways God moves is through the prayers of his people. And over the last few months, these men have committed to pray all the time for our church. But specifically, they've committed to pray on Sunday mornings for our services. And while we're enjoying worship and while we're hearing a message each week, there's at least two of these guys back in our green room 
who are praying over the service. Constantly praying for you and for me. Praying that God would move in mighty ways. And you know what? I look around us and I go, we don't have this church thing figured out. We don't have this ministry thing figured out. Half the time, it seems like we don't even know which direction we're going next. And we're just asking God, what's the next step? But I can tell you that I'm seeing God move in mighty ways. And I believe it's because of the prayers of his people. So I've asked these guys to come this morning and serve you communion. They've been praying for you back here in our, actually in our storage room this morning, in our closet basically. Talk about going to your prayer closet. They've literally been there today. But they've been praying for you and for me. They've been praying that God would move in a mighty way today. And that's our prayer too. I want you to know how much you're loved. Loved by your Heavenly Father. Loved by Jesus who offered His hands to be pierced. Offered His death for you and I. And you're loved by your church family. Reflect on that as you respond this morning to receive communion. There's five stations around the room, three here in the front. There'll be one right here in the middle, on either side, and then two in the back. Go to whichever one's closest or easiest for you to get to to receive the elements this morning. You'll simply take a piece of bread out of the basket, dip it in the cup of juice, and then eat that. As you come, I would ask you to bring those cards that you filled out a little bit ago. And there's a basket laying beside each of these guys. You can just drop that card in the basket beside them as you respond. I'm going to pray, and then the band's going to play, and you respond. Come and receive the elements this morning and allow this to be a time of celebration. Remembering not only what God has done for you, but remembering what he's promised for you. Remembering what your future holds. The Alpha and the Omega says it's finished. The story's written. We win. All you have to do is accept that and choose to follow after him and surrender your heart. Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity just to celebrate you, to celebrate your victory over death, to celebrate the new life that you offer us. And so this morning as we come and we receive the elements, as we dip the bread, the symbol of your broken body into the juice, the symbol of your blood that was shed for us, God, may we be reminded of both your sacrifice and your promise. And may we truly celebrate because you have given new life. We didn't deserve it. We can't earn it. There's nothing we can do. But you've offered it anyway. Thank you, God. Help us to honor the sacrifice that you've made for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Just remain standing for a moment. We're going to respond with a, a responsive reading this morning. Not something we do a whole lot around here, but on Easter I thought it would be a great way to close out our day together. Todd's going to come and he will be our leader and, uh, and read that portion for us. And then it will say, Congregation, I'll ask you to read along with me for that as we respond in that way. And, and just so you know, too, the cards that you've dropped in the baskets, our prayer team has already picked those up and those will be taken care of this morning. So, Lord Jesus, we have not, like the woman at the graveyard, seen you with our own eyes. But with eyes of faith, we believe that you have risen from the dead. And Lord Jesus, a heart that has truly seen you cannot refrain from praise. Receive now the words of our confidence in you, our words of praise. We believe that you are the Son, the living God. We believe that you are the Lamb who was slain for our sin. 
We believe that all blessing and glory and honor and power belong to you. We believe, Lord Jesus, that you have overcome death itself and that you reign in glory at the right hand of the Father. Your kingdom is within us and among us, and it will have no end. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen.